Welcome to Church on the Hill. So glad you're here this 4th of July weekend. I know a lot of people are on vacation and out of town, and rightfully so. You know, we just came out of a series called, called Slow Down, and how much we need to slow down and smell the roses. Slow down and see how God can move in your life. Slow down and seek after the Lord and the things that you're going through. And watch Him give you breakthrough. Watch Him come through for you. Because my God's a God that comes through for you. Um, this weekend is 4th of July and tomorrow our church, is I know Pastor Stephen has talked about it, is partnering with Trinity Assembly. and uh, We've had sign-ups back there. Quite, uh, there were, we had a few to sign up this morning. Please go back there. If you're not doing anything tomorrow and could come and serve with us just for an hour, just for an hour, if you could just come and give an hour, we would so appreciate it. But also come out and bring your family and be a part of this. It's going to be a great thing, a free event. I think the only thing that you may have to pay for would be food. But uh, if you sign up, you get a, you get a T-shirt too. So you say you had the T-shirt. So anyway, please come out and be a part of that. But coming out of slowing down and, and trying to turn our lives to the Lord and learn to seek Him in everything that we do, you know, we go through, we go through struggles, we go through trials. Anybody here ever had a bad day? You know it's a bad day when your boss tells you don't even worry about taking off your coat. You know it's a bad day when the birds that are singing outside your window are buzzards. You know it's a bad day when you step on the scale and it reads, are you kidding? Uh... And you know, it, you know it's a bad day when your horn gets stuck and you're behind a bunch of hell's angels. You know, you know, bad is right around the corner. But what we want to talk about today and what I'm starting is a series this morning on discouragement. And how through discouragement, how we can get so down that we can't hear, that we can't hear God. We have such bad days that we can't hear. Have you ever had a day like that? Just a difficult time where you just felt like you couldn't pray. And if you did pray, nobody was listening. You don't want to see anybody that wants to talk about prayer. You're just having a bad day and you're discouraged. And we're going to be talking about discouragement and what it does to you over the next few weeks. Now, what, I, what we want to look at first thing this morning is what do we know about discouragement? Is there any things in common that we know about discouragement? Well, number one discouragement, everyone gets discouraged. You know, I want to encourage you this morning, and I hope that that's a word I use a lot over this series is encourage. But it's not um, abnormal to feel like you're the only one going through what you're going through. Elijah, a man that just saw uh, miracle after miracle, got discouraged. Moses got discouraged. Noah got discouraged. David got discouraged. All these mighty men and these women of God at some point got discouraged. You are not alone. You're not alone. Everyone gets discouraged. If you look to your right and to your left, the person to your right and to your left, and the, person that, the people in front of you and behind you, they have been discouraged. If I were to take a poll today, how many would say, I have been discouraged before? How about today? Anybody today? 
You better believe it. We battle discouragement. But what else do we know about discouragement? It's contagious. It's contagious. We all know what it's like to get around a discouraged person, don't we? In fact, how many have ever been discouraged by being around a discouraged person? They'll pull you down, won't they? How many of you get discouraged when you just think about that discouraging person? How many of you get discouraged when you know you're going to meet with that discouraging person? It's contagious. Unfortunately, your happiness, if you're a happy person, doesn't get off on them. Their discouragement gets on you. It's contagious. I love the story about the policeman that drove up and saw this man on this high-rise building about to jump off and take his life. So he got out of his car and he ran up there and he started talking to him saying, what's wrong? What are you doing? What's the problem? The guy said, I just want to end my life. I'm discouraged. And the policeman says, oh, it can't be that bad. Tell me about it. And this policeman sat down with him and started trying to bring him comfort and consolation. And this man told this policeman the story. And when he got done, they both jumped. It's contagious. It wants to get on you. What else about discouragement do we know? It can make you ineffective. Discouragement keeps us from being effective in every area of our life, including our effectiveness for God. And this is one of the main reasons why I'm going down this series. When we're discouraged, I think it's safe to say that we are not all that we can be. Not only for God, but for our employer or for our spouse or for our kids. Mary McLeod uh, Bethune said it so well. And this, uh, this uh, quote right here, it says, Neither God nor man can use a discouraged person. When we focus on where we are, we're unable to help anyone else and certainly we're unable to be effective for God. And we're going to be looking at these emotions through discouragement that affect our walk with the Lord when it comes right now about hearing God. We're hurt so bad that we can't hear. Or when we're alone, it's hard to serve. Or when we feel insignificant, it's hard to obey. Or when we feel rejected, it's hard to trust. When we feel so down, we can't find the Lord sometimes. And when we are misunderstood, sometimes we can't understand God. And that's kind of the direction that we're going to be going in, is how to deal with these emotions and how the Lord is wanting to rescue us out of them. But what else about discouragement? It's isolating. Have you ever noticed that? It's isolating. We wind up isolating ourselves and we focus only on ourselves. Have you noticed that when you get discouraged, you feel alone? You feel like no one understands? You feel like everybody, know, everybody knows, you know, they, that, like you've got a, a sign on your neck. Everybody look at me and everybody knows my problems. It becomes isolating. You want to draw back. But what else about discouragement? I think this is a biggie. 
we lose perspective. You have a temporary loss of perspective. When anybody is discouraged, their focus has been misdirected. They're either focused on their problems or upon themselves, and they're in the midst of a pity party. It's an expression my mom and dad always used, pity party. Woe is me. Or an expression that would be used as you're feeling sorry for yourself. You've lost perspective. You've lost focus. But I do know this, that when I'm discouraged, when you and I are discouraged and we've lost perspective, that we go from being spiritualized to selfishized. We turn to ourself. Can I encourage you again? I'm going to kind of ride the roller coaster here. Discouragement many times, the end of your road, discouragement comes just before God's blessing. And we're going to look at story after story about how people will get to the end of their rope and at that end, God comes through. Has that ever happened to you? When you feel like you can't go one more step, God comes through. God comes through. A preacher that I highly respect is Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon was a pastor in London, England. Worldwide. Greatly known. One of the most uh, influential and greatest pastors of that century that, that he lived. And he said this about discouragement. He said, Oft the cloud is black before it breaks. It overshadows before it yields a deluge of mercy. Have you ever heard that the cloud is the darkest right before it opens up? Right before it releases? Have you ever heard that the darkest part of the night is just before dawn? You may be here today at the end of your rope. Well, I want you to know God is ready to break through in your life. God is ready to release the heavens and let it rain. Let it spiritually rain on you. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. Do you need breakthrough? And so many times you can be right there at that edge and give up and not get to that. Can you imagine Abraham going up the mountain with his son to kill him and him quitting before he got to the top? You know, he wouldn't have seen the provision until he got to the top. And there it was. Right as he was about to sacrifice his son, the Lord stayed his hand. Scripture says it stayed his hand. And there sat the provision. Right at the end, sometimes you've just got to hang on. So let's look at a, let's look at scripture this morning. Exodus chapter six. If you brought your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me. This is going to be about nine nine verses, a little long. I don't do this that often, but I feel like you need you, you need this. Exodus chapter six, verse one. Appreciate y'all bringing your Bibles. That's your, that's your weapon. It's going to go home with you. Verse 1. It says, Then the Lord said, Now you shall go and see what I will do to Pharaoh, for under compulsion he shall let them go, and under compulsion he shall drive them out of his land. Verse 2. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord, and I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, Lord, did not make myself known to them. Verse 4. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan and the land of which they so yearned. And furthermore, 
I have heard the groanings, uh, the groaning of the sons of Israel because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Verse 6. Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you from under the bondage of Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage, and I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgment. Now recognize what God's saying here. Verse 7. Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. Verse 8, and I'm bringing you to the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Verse 9, last verse. So Moses spoke thus to the sons of Israel, and notice this phrase, but they did not listen to Moses. Why? On account of their despondency and cruel bondage pastor that's not a very uplifting scripture where in the world are you going with that exactly they were so discouraged they were so despondent that when this great message of redemption this great message of deliverance this great word came what happened they couldn't hear it did you hear what the Lord said I'm going to rescue you. I will bring you from under the bondage of Egypt, and I will deliver you from the bondage, and I will redeem you. And what did it say? They didn't listen. They couldn't hear it. They were so down that they couldn't hear it. Why were the children of Israel so I've got, yeah, why did they feel so bad? Why were they so sad? See if you can relate. Their situation seemed hopeless. For 400 years, they had been in bondage. It was so bad that God was saying uh, to the children of Israel, I'm going to literally have to pry the hands of Pharaoh off of you. And I'm going to have to compel him to let them go. I'm going to have to force Pharaoh. It was tough. And it was a hopeless situation. They had been in the dark a long time. What else made them feel so bad? They hadn't experienced God's deliverance. Personally, they had never experienced the deliverance of God. They had heard about it through Abraham. They had heard about it through Isaac. They had heard about it through these great stories of the patriarchs before them. But they had not personally experienced deliverance. It had been 400 years. Some of these people had been born into this situation. Into slavery, into bondage. We've read about this, but we've never seen it. We've been beaten. We've been enslaved. We've been in bondage. You know, one of the toughest things as a pastor is to pray for somebody for healing that's never seen God heal. You know what? If you've ever been healed, your expectation for the next healing is a little bit easier. If you've ever had breakthrough, your ability to pray through to the next breakthrough sometimes is easier. If you've never experienced it, sometimes it's just by blind faith. You know what? The Lord's looking for that faith. Just trust me. Even though everything in the world says it's not going to happen, trust me. But sometimes it's so hard. And can you imagine, you know, you're going through something right now and you've not gotten breakthrough. Well, can you imagine 400 years? And I, I don't believe that maybe what you're going through is quite as bad as bondage and slavery. 
and everything that goes along with that. Amen? So can you see why they don't hear? They can't hear. What else? I've already said this one. Their problem had lasted for so many years. Literally generations. They were born into the problem. And you know what? In their mind, they were going to die in the problem. Why would they think anything different? It's all they knew. And then finally, they were physically and emotionally exhausted. They were physically and emotionally exhausted. They were wore out. In fact, it says that they were despondent because of the cruel bondage. They weren't just worn out. They were down and discouraged. Let me ask you, have you ever been there? So down and so discouraged that it seemed like you just couldn't hear God? You just couldn't hear God's people. People were talking to you. Maybe you even came to church and you were kind of numb. You know, the people around you were singing, but you weren't getting it. The pastor was up there preaching, but it just wasn't sinking in. Have you ever been there? I've been there. You know, I don't go there a lot. I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a person way prone to be discouraged, but there have been times and circumstances in my life that I couldn't hear God, that I thought I couldn't, and sometimes that I didn't want to hear Him. It may sound a little bit backwards to you, but sometimes we just get so down, we lose all perspective. You know, maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe you're going through the loss of, of, of a loved one. Maybe you're just battling a relationship or a job. Maybe you're just down. You just feel so bad. That's where Exodus 6 comes in. And there are two marvelous lessons in this scripture that we've just read from Exodus 6, chapter, Exodus chapter 6, verse 1 through 9. And I'm going to call these, it's going to sound a little bit funny, I'm going to call these ignored lessons. What do you mean ignored? Because they didn't listen. The Lord has given these instructions. He's given this word, but they couldn't hear it. So we're going to call these ignored lessons and two lessons, and we're just going to go over one of them with a few parts to the first one. Ignored lessons. Number one from Exodus 6, God hears us when we're hurting. If you went back, those of you that brought your Bibles, if you went back and looked at this scripture, it says in verse 5, it says, And furthermore, I have heard the groanings of the sons of Israel, because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. God hears you. When you cry out in hurt, God hears you. We may not think he hears us. We may not feel that he hears us. We may not sense that he hears us. We may feel like we're just flapping our gums and that there's some wall between us and them. But God hears us. That's where the children of Israel were. For 400 years in captivity, 400 years of praying, every time they complained or prayed, you know what happened to them instead of getting breakthrough? Things got worse. Pharaoh made it worse. Can you imagine? Not getting relief, not getting de redemption and deliverance. What did they associate? Their prayers and their, their life, praying to the Lord in those 400 years, what did it go to? It went just backwards. 
the opposite of deliverance. It went to slavery. You can see how easily they would lose their faith. They didn't sense any relief. But why? Why do we miss it sometimes? Why did they miss it? Some reasons why we fail to sense God's help. Number one is you may have a pain problem. We may be so engrossed in the pain of whatever the situation is that we can't get beyond it. Maybe that's the way that you are. Maybe you've gone through some major loss and you can't get past the pain. The burden is so heavy that that's all that you can see. Can you imagine the pain that the children of Israel were going through? God can. God hears. What other things were going on with them? They may have had a timing problem. I can tell you the children of Israel definitely had a timing problem. They weren't ready to receive the good news. The good news came and they weren't ready to hear it. You know, I, I, can, I can see the children of Israel praying this prayer saying, I'll pray this prayer, but I really don't think God's going to give me breakthrough. I don't think God's going to fix the problem. I'll pray the prayer because my dad prayed it, my uncles prayed it, my grandparents prayed it, and they all say to pray it. But history's shown there's not going to be any breakthrough. Have you ever been there? Have you ever just prayed the prayer because somebody's just pushing you to? Or because maybe you just know it's the right thing to do, but down deep, you've been hurt so much and so long, there's no getting past it in your mind. You know, I'm, Elizabeth and I uh, counseled with someone this weekend that wasn't ready to hear. Now, I want to encourage you just a minute. This is a seasoned, spirit-filled person that has been hurt so long that they can't see any breakthrough coming. And one of the responses, as I was starting to try to give some encouragement, the response was, I've lived there, but I'm not there anymore. What did this person mean? I mean, I, I have lived where you believe but I don't believe it anymore. Now, I know that this is hitting home to somebody. That the things that you've walked through, you've just not seen breakthrough. You've tried the God thing before. And how many times have we seen people that get turned on for God and all of a sudden, all hell breaks out after them? Have you ever seen that? I want, to, I want to encourage you again. On Wednesday night, we talked about praise. We talked about worship. We talked about thanksgiving. And I focused on praise to say, praise is God's address. It's where he lives. What do I mean? It says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Inhabit means he dwells. He lives. That's his address. But it also says, the same scripture, different translation, that he is enthroned in the praises of his people. What do you mean? Is God not throned if we don't praise him? No, that's not what I mean at all. I don't think he is in your life. But can I give you a word just for a second? God's God regardless of whether you believe it or not. God is the king of kings. Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords whether you accept it or not. And as I was praying and ministering with this person, I could tell a, a block came up 
And I just had to back off. And Elizabeth and I talked later, and I just finally said, whether this person believes that breakthrough can come doesn't matter. God is a God of breakthrough. And this person's just come to this point, come to the end of their rope, and they, they've got no hope. But I want you to know, regardless of whether they believe, whether they receive or not, my God is a God that rescues us and that loves us and that will come through. And my job is to pray for that person and to believe and to encourage and to be there and to love them and pray that those hearts will soften. That's what I pray for you, that your heart will soften, that you've been hurt so much whether it's by God or whether it's by man, you've been hurt so much and you just really don't feel like receiving anymore. Yeah, I go to church. I do the do. I, I do it. It's the right thing to do. But there ain't no breaking through in me. That's all right. That's okay. You've come to a place where the Spirit of God is. And I believe the Lord is going to break through in your life. And that you're going to let that guard down just a little. And a little bit of faith is going to grow into something so great. You just can't see it. You just can't see it because you're so down. God hears us when we're hurting. God hears us when we're hurting. What else? They had an attitude problem. Have you ever had this, how bad your attitude gets, how bad your circumstances get? As things get worse, your attitude tends to get worse. Have you ever noticed the harder things get, the harder it is to keep a good attitude? You ever heard this quote, God chooses what we go through, we choose how we go through it. But finally, when we're hurting, I think they had a faith problem. We've been in the problem so long that our faith really becomes dim. And we begin to ask ourselves, does God hear me when I'm discouraged? Listen to this, this I, I, think, this is the, I think this is the point of the day. Unbelief puts our circumstances between us and God. Unbelief puts our circumstances between us and God. Have you ever been in that position to where all you can see is the problem? You've completely lost focus of who you are and who God says you are. And all you can see is the problem. Remember, discouragement is a temporary loss of perspective. And when we lose faith, we're in trouble. We get those circumstances in between us and God. Faith helps us to see God first before we see the problem. Church, are you all with me? If I just made, made you so sad this morning... <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't get to the good stuff this morning. We've got to kind of plow the road before, there's a, before a, a seed comes up. You ever noticed a lot of work's got to go in before you get your first fruit? So whatever you do, come back next Sunday. I'm not quite done, but don't, don't leave on a, bad, on a sad note. Faith helps us see God first before we see the problem. Let me close with this story. It's a funny story, I think, from Acts chapter 12, and it's verses 1 through 16. I'm just going to pull out a couple verses. 
But it's a story about persecution in the early church and Herod had gone a little crazy. He was starting to persecute the first Christians and the leaders and killing them. There were martyrs and it was a tough time. Do you remember this story? They imprisoned Peter. Peter's in jail. So what does a good church do? Calls a prayer meeting. Let's pray. Let's get together and let's pray. So they're praying. They're on their knees. They're fer- it says that they were fervently praying. Verse 5 in chapter 12 says, So Peter, Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. That's a good church. Peter's in praying, and here they are praying. Oh, Lord, spare Peter, rescue Peter, deliver Peter, bring him out of prison. Get him out, Lord. And it tells us in verse 6 that that very night that an angel came and unlocked the doors. And Peter was freed. And Peter came up to the door where they were praying, came to the home where they were praying. And he knocks on the door. And that, what does he do? Acts uh, chapter 12, verse 13, look at this. And when he had knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her joy, she didn't open the gate, but she ran and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. (laughs) Peter's out there going, hey, I'm here. I hear that. And she leaves Peter at the door and goes. And what does Rhoda do? You remember what she did? She goes, hey, everybody, guess what? Pete's outside. And what do they do? They say, Don't disturb us. We're praying. Don't bother us. We're praying. Have you ever been so discouraged and the place was so dark that the answer was right in front of you and you couldn't see it? Have you ever had a moment like that when the answer was right there you just didn't get it? I have. He's been rescued. Your prayers are answered. Hey, don't bother us. We're praying. We're being spiritual. Pete's on the outside. Would somebody please open the door? I'm here. And Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and were amazed, they saw him. Haven't we been there so discouraged, so dark, that God was right there and we couldn't recognize it? I want you to know God is at the door. He is ready to rescue you. He is ready to help you right now. Right now. Can just a little bit of this word get in you and you believe enough to speak it out of your mouth? You may not even feel it, but speak it. Lord God, help me. Help me. You know, as Pastor Paul's been talking this morning... I just keep coming back to the point. I think God keeps reminding me that in verse 9, you know, the children didn't heed Moses' words. And I think this morning that we have a choice. I think we have a real clear choice this morning. And I think we can choose to hear the word of the Lord or we can choose not to. And, you know, it says because of their anguish, um, because of their anguish of spirit and cruel bondage, they didn't heed the word of the Lord. And so, you know what, this morning, I just want to be a people, I want to be a person who hears the word of the Lord. Because, you know, if you back up into that scripture, the Lord announces himself as God Almighty. And you know what that word means? It means El Shaddai. It means the God who is enough. 
He's the God who is enough. He's saying it right before he goes and says, I'm hearing you. But he's saying, this is who I am. I'm El Shaddai. I'm the God who's enough. I'm the all-powerful one. I'm the one who is self-sufficient. That's who God is. And that's who he's proclaiming himself to be. And he's saying, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing your groanings. Are you hearing the word of the Lord this morning? Because I think some of us have been groaning in our spirit. And I want you to know that God hears you. He hears you. Hear me, church. He hears you. He hears you. He hears you. He hears you. And it, and it goes on to say he hears their groanings. And he's remembered his covenant. Do you hear this morning? Do you have a covenant with God Almighty? Because you know what? If you have asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you know what? You've got a covenant. You've got a covenant to stand on. You've got the blood of Jesus to stand on. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. Don't go blank here. But whatever it is, whatever has you in bondage, whatever has you hurting, whatever has you down and out, know that you are a covenant child of God and that he hears you. He hears you. And it says, the Lord will rescue you from bondage and he will redeem you with an outstretched arm. An outstretched arm. Do you hear that? Choose this morning. Choose this morning to hear the word of the Lord because he rescues you. He doesn't just come and just grab you a little bit. He comes with an outstretched arm. Here I am. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to pull you up out of whatever it is you're wallering in. And I'm going to rescue you. That's what he's saying to you today. So I want you to be encouraged this morning. And I want you to hear it. I don't want to be like the children of Israel and miss it. Because you know what? They missed it. They missed it several times. But you know what? He always redeemed. He always rescues. And so you know that He is God, El Shaddai, the God who's enough, the God who's enough to rescue you. So I just want to pray. I just want to go into prayer this morning. So just bow your heads with me. And Lord, we thank You. We thank You, our precious God, our El Shaddai, the God who is enough, the God who's more than enough, Lord. We thank you, God, that you've heard our groanings. Oh, you hear us, God. You hear us, God. And you know just where we are. You know where those hurts are, Lord. And Lord God, I thank you that you're rescuing, Lord. Oh, you're rescuing your people with an outstretched arm, God. Oh, you're rescuing us, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, and we choose this morning to hear the word of the Lord. Oh, we hear the word of the Lord, and we believe, Lord, that you are who you say you are. And so we come running, Lord. We come running, and we step out of that bondage, Lord. We step out of it, Lord, and we step into what you've got for us, Lord. Oh, the fullness of God. Oh, it's what we want. We want your best, Lord. Oh, thank you, God.
Thank you, God, that you're rescuing. Now, church, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want to say, if you need to be rescued this morning, you just reach up and you grab hold of that outstretched arm that's reaching down for you this morning. Just go ahead and hold your arm up if you need to be rescued from where you are this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you're rescuing your people. I see those hands. I see them, and I thank you, God, and we rejoice that you're rescuing us, Lord. I see those hands. I see them, Lord. Thank you that you're a God who hears. Oh, you're a God who hears, Lord, and you're rescuing your people. Now, God, we choose you today. We choose you, everybody in this place. We're declaring today, Lord, that we choose you. We choose you, and we choose to believe that you are who you say you are. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. We rejoice in you this morning. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.